Well, we've been discussing here and will for the final time tonight those issues, those gray areas where the Bible is not 100% clear. There's those who interpreted the Scripture to say, nope, you need to worship on the first day of the week. That's when the Lord raised from the dead. Others said, no, the Jews worshiped on Saturday. And, and the Bible says, keep the Sabbath holy. And the way you keep that holy is worshiping on it. Of course, there's nowhere in the Bible that says to worship on it. It says to rest on it. But yet, this is what people had different views on it. Now, some said if the meat's been sacrificed to a pagan god, you shouldn't eat the meat. Another person says, hey... God made the meat. I don't care what they sacrifice it to. There's only one God. Everything else is just somebody's imagination or some demon impersonating uh, some God. But there's no God. There's only one God. And he made the cow and, and uh, it smells good and I'm hungry. I don't really care. And the guy says, no, 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 no. You'll, you can't eat that meat. It's been sacrificed. So one has one view and boy, you listen to it going, you're right. And you hear the next guy and you go, you're right. And they say, you both can't be right. And you say, and you're right. And uh, which is right? But yet you have those people that are convinced in their mind which way is right. And so the one who has more laws in his faith is the weaker brethren. He needs those rules. He needs those laws. He needs things to be clearly black and white for him in these gray areas because of the weakness of his flesh. Now, we're all weak in our flesh. We're all sinful in many ways. But there's some people that they know that if they give in a little bit, they'll give in a lot. And so they've drawn lines a long ways away, saying, I'm not even going to go that direction because I'll be stumbled. And they're right. There's some of you here tonight that could take a beer or not take a beer. You drink one last year, you think, and maybe, maybe not. It's not a big deal to you. But there's others of you here tonight that have been alcoholics. And you know even one sip of alcohol could thrust you back into a life of sin. And so to the one guy who says, well, I, I've never really thought about it. I just never really drank much to begin with. Don't really like it. Take it or leave it. Offer me a Coke. I'd probably take it over a beer. But if all there was was a beer and I'm thirsty, I'd probably drink it. I... It's not a big issue to me. But the other guy says, no way, man, that's sin. That's absolutely sin if you drink, no way. And so you don't want to argue over the situation. The guy who says, beer is sin, don't even go there, he needs to think that way. You don't want to change his thinking. He's a weaker brother. He needs to have such thinking. The other guy, it's not an issue to him. And so maybe he's not the weaker brother necessarily. He's just, it's not an area of his flesh that he is going to stumble in. But what do we discover here? Paul says, whatever you're going to do, if you're going to worship on a certain day and you're going to make that day a certain holy day, then do it. If you're not going to make that certain day a holy day, then don't do it. <laughs> whatever you're, you're in your mind on these issues, it, it really is not an essential thing. It's not this gigantic thing in God's mind. In your mind, it's a gigantic thing, but it's not a gigantic thing in God's mind. But if you're a weaker brother, then stay with your convictions. If your brother says, well, it doesn't really matter to me if, you eat, if it's sacrificed to an island, I don't care. It's just a good piece of hamburger meat. I'm hungry. Let's eat. 
Okay, whatever way you're convinced on it, do it. However, in verse 16, do not let your good, in other words, your freedom, your liberty, be spoken as evil. So you say, man, it doesn't really matter to me if I drink a beer or not. It's no big deal. But yet you drink a beer, and here's a weaker brother who's been an alcoholic who's recently come to the Lord, only three months in the Lord, and he sees you, this giant, spiritual giant type of guy who's known the Lord a whole year and a half, and man, you just know so much, and, and you just, man. And he sees you drinking a beer, what's that going to do? It's going to give him the confidence that he can go ahead and do it too. But yet, what's it do to him? It causes him to go back into alcoholism. So don't let your liberty, don't let your good, to you it was just a beer. That's all it was. Pepsi, beer, root beer, 7-Up. It's, it's not a big deal to you. But it was a giant deal to the other guy, and you stumbled him without thinking deeply as you ought to think. You messed him up. And so now your liberty, your good, your freedom has caused somebody else to be in bondage. So your good is now spoken of as evil. And he goes on to say in verse 7, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink. So it's not what it's about. Well, we've got Christianity down. We don't drink beer. We don't drink alcohol. And, and I'm, I'm a Christian because I don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. I, I know I'm a believer. Well, how do you know that you're going to make it to heaven? I don't eat meat sacrificed to idols and I don't drink alcohol. I know I'm right with God. No. The kingdom of God is not food and drink. The kingdom of God is not the do's and the don'ts. It's a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you walked with God today? Today, did you wake up consciously? Just, it's in your heart. Jesus, I love you. I, I, and your heart's just inclined to get into the word and to pr pray to him and say, Lord, I give you this day and strengthen me in your word and and you're fellowshipping with him all day long. And, and you go to lunch. And a guy orders a hamburger, sacrificed to an idol. And you're talking about the Bible verse that God's blessed you with today as you're meditating upon that verse. And he orders a beer for you. And, and you're eating this meat sacrificed to idol. And you're drinking this beer. And, and you just had a great time talking about the Lord. You fellowshiped with the Lord. You just, man, you just even, while you're sitting there drinking your beer, you're reading some of the Bible there, and it's not an issue to you. It's not food and drink, but you stumbled your brother. No, you've got to think about what you're doing. In our culture, I've made it clear to our home fellowship leaders, you just can't drink alcohol, period. It's, it's, you're just going to stumble people. There's just, in our culture, it's a humongous thing. In America, if you see me drinking a beer and then I get up to preach, you're going to go, hold on. <laughs> What's up? Is this guy really a preacher? How could he just, you know, in our culture, it, it, it's, just, it's just a big stumbling block. And so it's not food and drink. It's not that I don't drink beer that I'm righteous. It's not that I do drink beer that I'm a strong Christian. It's, it's neither, either one of them. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do you know a person's truly a believer? 
Because he's walking as Christ would walk. He's doing things the right way. He's seeking first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. The right way of doing things. You look at his life and he's doing things as Jesus would do things. He's saying things as Jesus would say things. We see that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that self-control in his life and growing and abounding. So you see some religious guy who doesn't drink beer and he doesn't chew tobacco and he doesn't smoke and he doesn't, you know, but yet he's unloving. He's unkind. He slaps his wife around, but yet he goes to church every Sunday. Just because you go to church and he totes a 25-pound Bible and he's got a thousand verses memorized doesn't mean he's a Christian, but he doesn't smoke. It doesn't matter. He's still not a believer. How do you know somebody's a believer? The Holy Spirit has come into their life. And all the old things have passed away. All things have become new. And we have the character of Christ being formed in us. Oh, not perfectly. We all get upset. We all yell. We all scream. We all lose it from time to time. But we're all sinners. That's life. But we are growing in Christ. We clearly have a love. We clearly have a peace. There's clearly a joy in our life of the Lord. That's what Christianity is. The world would know we're his disciples by our love for one another. But yet you have these religious people who their concept of religion was, how does it benefit me? And so you see, for instance, the Corinthian church. They all get together and Man, they're into the gifts of the Spirit. And so some guy just starts radically speaking in tongues and and he's freaking people out. And he says, I don't care. I'm just doing what God's showing me to do, man. I'm speaking in tongues. But you just, ten people just left. They thought you were crazy. They're unbelievers. They don't know. I don't care, man. They're not in tune. If they really were a pointed to eternal life, they would have understood how awesome it was and they would have just believed. You see, that's not love. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's, that's religious deadness. Turn over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 17, Paul says, For you indeed give thanks well, but the others do not, is not edified. They're speaking in tongues, you see. So yeah, you're giving thanks, and it's a self-centered, self-thing going on, and you're fully edified because you're speaking in tongues. But he goes, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also, than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says, when I come to the church, my heart is to edify the believers. But yet, many of you, when you come to church, your point is, how can I edify me? How can I bless me? Paul says, "Uh uh-uh. True faith, a true walk with God, is how can I bless others? But yet, there's people that say, I'm not going to give up my beer no matter what. I don't care. People that stumble, it's their own fault. They get their eyes on Jesus and off of me. No. 
where is the love of God? If the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, you'd say, man, I don't in any way, shape, or form want my good spoken of as evil. I don't want my liberty to bring anybody else down. And it's more important for me not to exercise my liberty and to have others edified than for me to have my liberty and people to be stumbled. So again, the kingdom of God's in that peace. I want to bring peace. I want to bring joy. I'm not going to make my point. I'm not going to shove things down other people's throat. I'm not going to state my claim and have my liberty and I don't care what he thinks and I don't care what she care I don't care what she says and I don't No, that's that's not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is gentleness. The heart of Christ is peace. The heart of Christ is to bring joy. And so if I have time with you, if I spend an hour with you, when we're done, I'm not leaving you thrashed and frazzled, but I'm leaving you with peace. I'm leaving you with joy. I'm leaving you with a sense of, man, I want to walk closer to Christ too. That's what a Christian does. And that's why he goes on back in Romans 14 to say, For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. He who serves Christ in these things is, one, acceptable to God, and two, is approved by men. So the guy says, you know what? I won't do it anymore. Why? Because I just want to please the Lord. That's really what I want to do. I live to build up the body of Christ. That's the reason I'm alive, to see people come to know Christ and then to get built up in Christ. And I'm going to get my eyes on the Lord. And so it's acceptable to God and it's pleasing to men, knowing that you're a gentle spirit. You're not trying to make your point. You're not trying to say, I'm going to live the way I'm going to live and everybody else is going to have to handle it. But you're living in such a way that's bringing glory to God and peace and joy unto men. And in verse 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. So the earlier part of the chapter, he says, Yep, you've got your liberty. Yep, you've got your freedom. Yep, you can do on these gray areas, not clear areas. I mean, if you said, well, I'm going to fornicate, and it doesn't matter, I don't care what anybody else thinks, and that's, you know, it's clear. It's not unclear. Don't be deceived. Fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's not a questionable issue. But on these questionable issues, on drinking and smoking and dancing and going to R-rated movies and all of these types of things that really probably aren't going to edify everybody and for sure drag others down. Some guy who grew up in the bar dancing and has been out of it for 10 years and, and now all of a sudden you say, hey, let's go grab a beer and... and do some step dancing down at the honky tonk, uh, cap, you know, saloon or whatever. And what happens is he gets back down there in that environment, and all of a sudden his flesh comes alive, and and he ends up stumbling. You see, pursue those things that make for peace and cause edification. Do not destroy the work of God. That's that's a heavy statement. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. In this example, all things indeed are pure, referring to food. 
Every type of food is good. God made it. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So he can't do it with confidence. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, you can just listen there in verse 4 and 5. He says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So every creature of God is good. Nothing's refused if it's received with thanksgiving. However, not everybody has that knowledge. Not everybody in their heart truly understands that. Turn, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Just the very next book. It's only about 10 pages or so to the right. Maybe not that many. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That whole chapter is on this issue. But take a note there in verse 9. But beware lest, listen now, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idolist temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. You see, our conscience is something that God has given us, and it's very important that we listen to it. It's just like our nervous system. If I touch something that's hot, and it, it's hot enough to burn my skin, my nerve endings will say, let it go, wow, you see, before serious damage happens. In the same way, we have a conscience, and God's Holy Spirit is helping our conscience. We were born with a conscience. And for some of you, like I'm saying, if you drink a beer, some of you guys, you grab a, hand, a can of beer, you drink a few sips, you, you set it down, you, you just go about, it's not a big thing with you. But here's this other guy, and it's like he's never drank, but in his mind, drinking is associated with sinning. And a couple of sips of beer is going to wound his conscience. It's going to cause him to feel dirty. It's going to cause him to feel sinful. It's going to cause him to feel like he's taken a step into the world that's going to dishearten him and say, man, I've already gone this far. Why not go ahead and buy a Playboy book too? Yeah, I already drank a half a can of beer. I might as well just go to an R-rated movie too. He's going to feel like he's already blown it. He's already, it's, it's going to cause him to just drag down in that direction. And you're, some of you are going, how could a beer do that to anybody? That's, this is just ridiculous. But yet there are people, and that is exactly what's going on. That's exactly what's happening in their heart, in their mind. And that's where you've got to be careful. You've got to realize Christ has saved this person, but I need to know who this person is. And if this person is somebody who, again, is easily offended, somebody who can easily get tied back up in the things of this world, you need to just spend time with them in the Word, in prayer, and not in doubtful issues. 
Drink a 7-Up. Have a hamburger. And go for a walk on a beach. Rather than going to bull weevils and shooting some pool and having a beer and, and going to a movie. Don't do that around them. You're going to mess them up. You're going to hurt them. Christ died for them. And they're going to spend their time going backwards into sin. But you're saying, man, I have some Christian brothers. We, we love the Lord. We, we go down and we shoot some pool and we, we don't drink a beer. We just have a Coke and, and then we go catch the latest movie and, and then we go to Bible study. And it's a great time of fellowship. Afterwards, we talk about the movie and, and we just see all these spiritual insights in it and how we need to walk stronger in the Lord. It's just it's an edifying time. Well, with some people, maybe you can do that. But there are other people that are weak in their faith. And to spend an afternoon like that is going to mess them up. It's going to weigh them down. It's going to stir up their flesh. And for you, it's something you could take or leave. For them, it's something they take it and they end up in a life of sin with it. And that's where you really need to take a step back and say, what really do I need to be doing? I need to live in righteousness. I need to make sure that I'm pursuing peace and joy. I need to pursue that I'm edifying my brother and building them up in the Lord. So don't destroy the work of God. Wow. That's a heavy thing, isn't it? Maybe there's some guy that came to the Lord and he's been walking with the Lord a month now. And there he went out and spent a Saturday afternoon with you. And man, he's thinking, I'm out of the world. It's so wonderful. I'm just with all these Christian brothers. And man, he just wants to talk about the Bible and grow in the Lord. And, and yet, you're not being spiritual as you should be. And he hangs out with you, and it's just like hanging out with his non-Christian buddies. It's really no different all day long. It's not that you're, you don't love the Lord. It's not that you're not walking strong in the Lord. But he's hung out with you all day, and you haven't even mentioned Christ. You went to get a hamburger and you didn't even pray. You just munched into it. And the whole afternoon you spent trying to talk him into going to a movie that he didn't really feel comfortable about going to or going to a place he really didn't feel comfortable about going, but you sort of just kept on him, kept on him, kept on him, and okay, okay, let's just do it. And so he went to that place or he went and watched that movie or he went and did that. And at the end of the day, after spending it with you, he just feels dirty. And he starts thinking, man, this is what hanging out with Christians is all about? Gee, it's, it's no different, really. I, I guess I could just go to church and hang out with non-Christians because it's really no different. I mean, I don't really like that Christian guy that much. He's sort of a nerd. My non-Christian friends are sort of cool. But if it's all going to be the same, I might as well just hang out with the non-Christians. At least they're cool. Then hang, doing the same thing with a bunch of nerdy non-Christians. You know, I'll just... It's no different. I'll still go to church. I'll still seek the Lord, but let's be careful. Maybe your liberty is a sign that you're not where you ought to be in Christ. Maybe if you were closer to the Lord, you wouldn't call that a liberty. You would say that's being fleshly. And as we had talked about in earlier studies, some of those things you have liberty on now, you may not have liberty on later on as God begins to cause you to grow in Him, you see you'll start seeing, man, that thing isn't right. I don't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe I'm doing that. I can't believe I'm living that way. I, I need to stop it. 
And so again, take a step back. Listen to these other people. Saying, man, I don't understand why he's so upset about thinking that's so wrong. Why? Think about it. Take a moment and don't just rush through with your liberty. Step back a minute and say, hold it. Maybe my liberty shouldn't be my liberty. Maybe my liberty is flesh. Maybe my liberty is, is hurting me spiritually and I don't, I'm not taking a look at it. Maybe it's okay for me to do it, but I am stumbling others by doing it. So take a note of other people's conscience. Because maybe your conscience should be as their conscience. And God's trying to show you that by giving you this weaker brother who could possibly be stumbled. So you learn how to live a more righteous life yourself. So do not destroy with the work of God over the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but some things. But if it's evil for the man who eats it, then it's an offense. If it's gonna, he thinks it's wrong, it's wrong, whether it's wrong to you or not. And in verse 21, it is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So Paul says very plainly, back in 1 Corinthians, if meat's going to cause my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. That's his heart. Wow. Paul says if I need to be a vegetarian while I'm in this town, I'll be a vegetarian. When I go out to eat with those certain groups, if I'll just make sure I only order things that have not meat in it because I just, I don't, even want to take the chance of stumbling them. And so in this day and age, when Paul was in a mixed group, he would always just bow out when it came to questionable things. So there's a group of 10 people that want to go out to eat after church, and so they all go down to eat. Paul will order something with vegetables only and definitely nothing with wine in it. Why? In case there's somebody there at that table who could possibly be stumbled by meat sacrifice idols or by wine, then he won't do it, you see. Well, that's what you want. That's what I want to eat. Some water and a veggie dish. That's what I really want. Now, Paul, he loves meat. I'm sure he'd love to sink his teeth into a big steak. But in this group of people, that's what I'm going to do because I'm not going to stumble them. And so take heed to that wisdom. I had a pastor friend the other day was a group from his church were going to go to a movie. I don't even know what movie it was. And he says, hey, you guys want to go? And they're, oh, yeah, let's go. And he said, well, come on, pastor, so let's, let's go. And he goes, no, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to, I need to head on home and do some stuff. Because he thought maybe there was somebody in that group that could be stumbled by the fact that they're going to movies. And if he would go, it would embolden them to say, well, if the pastor's going, then I'll go. When in reality, if the pastor says, no, I don't think I'm going to go, then they don't feel the pressure, you see, to think they, they need to go too, or it's, it's for sure okay because the pastor's going when he hasn't seen the movie either. But the pastor told me later on, him and his wife did go and watch that movie by themselves. And it was an okay movie. It was great. But the point was, is that he didn't grow, go with a group of people for the possibility that somebody could be stumbled. And so again, you've got to think about these things. If your brother could possibly be offended, it could hurt his walk with the Lord, stay away from it. 
Verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Go back over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 8 once again. Starting in verse 1 at this time. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but what? Love edifies. For if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the, in the world, and there is no other God but one. For even if there is a so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God and Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with conscience of idols until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither we eat it, are we the better, nor do we not eat it, are we the worse. So, if you say, man, I've got knowledge, I've got faith, it's okay. I happen to know. The Bible says don't get drunk with wine, period. It doesn't say anything, don't drink it. It says just don't get drunk with it. I have never been drunk in my, in my entire life. My whole family's from Europe, and every Thanksgiving and Christmas, we've drank wine. Ever since I was eight years old, I've done it. I've never been drunk. I have the knowledge that God made this. And it's absolutely fine for me to do. If you have faith, then do it with yourself. Have faith with yourself. Not everybody has that same experience. So if you have faith, not what's more important? Your knowledge, your faith, or your love? Look at 1 Corinthians 13 if you would. First Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Annoying, in other words. Imagine a trumpet blasting in your ear. Or imagine some getting woke up every morning with the big clanging of a cymbal. Without love, that's what spiritual knowledge is. It's clanging. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries. Here it is. I've got all this knowledge. i got it all figured out. I have all this faith as though I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You see? So you say, man, I've got the knowledge. Yet your drinking of wine is the blasting of a trumpet. I've got knowledge. It's no big It's not what goes into man that defiles man. It's what comes out of his heart. So smoking isn't anything to me. It doesn't affect my spiritual life at all because it goes in. It's not something out of my heart. It's not affecting me spiritually. I know, but you're stumbling other people. It's like the clanging of a cymbal. It's like the blasting of a trumpet. Your knowledge, you have knowledge, but you don't have the love. Where is the love? The love says, I realize that everything's 
going to burn. We're here on life, we're on planet Earth for a vapor of time. What does it really matter? What I've put in my mouth to eat, or what I've drank, or what I've milk. So if it's not a big deal, don't do it. Why waste your time with the possibility of stumbling people? Why waste your time on that possibility when we got all eternity to cause people to rejoice? And so you here you are in this vapor of time, and you've stumbled ten people over your drinking, over your smoking, over the words you've used, over the kind of movies you've gone to, over the kind of things that you've done. And here are all these Christians that are weak, that aren't strong. Here's this guy that's stumbling around, struggling with alcohol again because he saw you. Here's this other guy who finally quit smoking, and now he's smoking again. He's bumming out his whole family. It's affecting his marriage now because of it again. Here's another guy over here, and he's using those words that were questionable words, but now he's using them, and it's causing him to be stumbled and others to be stumbled because of those words that are now being used. Here's another guy that's struggling with lust and pornography again because he went to that movie with you, and it stirred up passions in him, and, and now he's stumbled again. So the point is, is that where's your love? The love says, I want to edify others. I want to bless others. I want everybody else to grow and be built up in the Lord. And for me, I'll deny myself that they could be blessed. So it would be like this. Let's say that you were a diesel driver and you have your diesel truck. But yet... You've got on the back, you have your trailers. And you've got these two trailers that you're pulling. But they're slow. I could go a lot faster without those trailers. And so you unhook the trailers and then you get to your destiny in a hurry. Boom, here I am. I made it. So, where's the stuff you were pulling? Well, I made much better time if I didn't pull it. The whole reason you were pulling it was for the trailers. So in the same way, why are we living? We're living for the body of Christ. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, all I'm doing, all that I think about, all my passions, desire is for the elect, for those who haven't yet been saved that will be saved, those who are saved that they would grow in the Lord. And so why are we alive? It's for one another. One's a hand, one's a foot, one's an ear. We're all making up the body of Christ. This is what it's all for. But you say, in my liberty, man, I can go fast. Woo, you know, and, and sure enough, you're, you're right with the Lord and all these liberties you're doing. But what about your poor brother that needed you, the stronger brother, to encourage him and to pull him along? You need to hook up with the others. Sure enough. They're going to slow you down. Sure enough, you're going to have to give up some of your liberties to be with them and to encourage them. Sure enough, you're not going to be able to live in the freedom that maybe your body would enjoy. Okay? You like to go to a Padre game. You love to have a beer. But yet, if I invite these Christian brothers with me, I can't get a beer because I know some of them, it might wound their conscience. So I'll just go to the Padre game by myself, you see, so I can drink my beer instead of taking non-Christian or taking Christians with me. I See, I just don't think that's right. Those Christians who can't drink beer, they need to go with somebody like you, who's stronger in the faith, who are there with them, who know that you could drink a beer but don't. 
And you're there with them and you're a conviction for them. You're watching out for them. They need you. Don't leave them to go to the Padre game by themselves because if they end up going with some non-Christian guy from work and he brings them back a beer and say, I bought this for you, although it may wound their conscience, they may not have the strength to say, no, I can't drink that. I'm an ex-alcoholic or I'm afraid I might become one or I'm afraid it would make me feel like I'm a part of the world. I don't want to do that. And so again, hook up to those trailers. Slow down on those liberties. Don't push forward with them and hook up with the body of Christ. Even though it may quench you out in some of the liberties of your flesh, who cares? This old body is going to be done away with. It's going to turn back to ash from which it came. We're going to have a brand new body that can never get drunk. We've got a brand new body that won't be weighed down anymore by sin for all of eternity. So, if you have faith, well, have it to yourself before God. But happy is he who has not condemned himself in what he approves. So blessed is that man, happy is that man who makes it to heaven, who had the liberties and didn't stumble people with him. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. It is really, really sin for that person. There are people here tonight that if they drank a beer or if they smoked a cigarette or if they went to an R-rated movie, it would be sin for them. They would be grieved in the Holy Spirit. It's something that they would have to confess to God and maybe to another brother or sister in the Lord to say, I've sinned, pray for me. Because I know I'm heading in a backslidden direction. Or if they did it, it would mean that something is very seriously spiritually wrong in their life. Because it's a long ways down for them to do something like that. It really is a sin to them. Because he does not eat from faith. He does not have a clear conscience. He does, he's not certain that it's a thing that, that God would really want him to do. He has a sense that it's really something God would not want him to do. For whatever is not from faith is sin. People sometimes say, Brian, do you think it would be all right if, if I did this? No. Well, how do you know? Because it's a question to you. Because it wasn't a certainty, it's wrong. If it's a doubt, well, I wonder if it would be okay if I did that, or ate that, or drank that, or went there, or watched that. I wonder, hmm, it's wrong. It's a question in your mind, it's wrong. But if you just do it and don't think twice about it, you just did it, then it's not an issue with you, is it? You see what I'm saying? If I'm out to eat and, and there I'm with some people over in Europe as I've been and, and there they say, man, we're so glad you're here and they're pouring wine. And they start to pour me some. They say, would you like some? And I'm thinking, mm, I've never tasted wine. But it's, it's a doubt, you see. I, I've got to think about it. If I've got to think about it for a minute, it's no big deal. But yet if they pour some wine in the guy's glass and the guy's just talking and he drinks it and, and afterwards somebody says, do you know you drank wine? No, I didn't. I drank wine? Yeah, that stuff they gave you was wine. Oh, hmm. I, okay, so I drank wine. What's the big deal? I mean, it wasn't an issue with them. They didn't think about it. It wasn't questionable. They just did it. You see, then it's not an issue with them. 
at least not at this time in, in this situation. I was with, uh, I talked to a couple of pastors that was interested, and they went into Romania when the Iron Curtain was first lifted. And they came into this family's home that were Christians that had been persecuted severely for being Christians there, and they brought them some Bibles, and they were just sharing the word with them, and they were just having such a great time. And the dad comes out, and, and he brings this bottle out, and he says, I've had this bottle in my family for 50 years, waiting for a special occasion. This is the occasion. And he quickly pops open the wine bottle. And these two pastors looked at each other, <laughs> going, do we tell this guy you just wasted that wine, we're not going to drink it? Or do we drink it and act like we're blessed? One of them drank it and act like he was blessed. The other one said, I just cannot do it. I appreciate the, the offer. I know what it means to you. I'm totally, internally blessed that we would be the ones in a half a century that would be worthy to drink of this bottle. But I, I just can't do it. And the other guy drank a couple sips out of it to, to bless him. So there is a perfect example where one says, you know what, in this particular case, I'm going to do it because I know what it means to him to share a glass of wine with him. And the other guy says, I know what it means, and I still can't do it. <laughs> I know it would mess me up. So, those are those doubtful issues. What's the real reminder in this chapter? Go back over to uh, the beginning there, if you would. In verse 3, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So the guy who didn't drink that wine shouldn't say, I can't believe you drank it. When I get home, I'm going to tell Pastor Chuck. And, and the other guy's looking at him going, I can't believe what a stinking Pharisee you are. I can't believe you would offend that guy over a glass of wine. I'm going to tell Chuck to kick you out of the Calvary Chapels for being such a legalist. Of course, no such conversation happened. But the, the point I'm making is that there's two views. Both of them are right. Both of them could be wrong. But you're wrong for sure if you judge your brother in these doubtful issues. Again, if it's not a doubtful issue, if it's not a doubtful issue, then you confront your brother. The Bible says if your brother's in sin or your brother's offended you, you go to him. Tell him. Show him in the scripture where he's in error. He doesn't listen to you. Take one, two more at the most. They don't listen to you, bring them before the church. If they don't listen to the church, they're to be kicked out of the church because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. But if it's a doubtful issue, again, if you have your faith, your liberty, do it unto God and do it by yourself. Don't do it where Christians, believers, or non-believers, you see. I, I knew a situation back south where the pastors, you know, back in Tennessee and Oklahoma and Alabama, they smoked back there, you know. Back when I was 12 years old, 
and I lived back in Arkansas for a time, it was no big deal for even 12-year, 13-year-old kids to smoke. It just was no big deal. And I remember in between Sunday school and church, we would all meet out on this patio, and the adults and the junior high kids and the high school kids and the pastor, we would all smoke. And after we were done smoking, then we'd go into the church service. That was just something that was a social thing. Nobody thought anything of it. But yet, there's another part of Alabama, this pastor, and, and this guy wanted to go to church, and his wife would not go to church because that pastor smoked. And when the pastor heard about it, he went to her, and he says, if I did not smoke, then you would come to church? He says, she said, yes. He said, watch me right now. You're going to watch me smoke my last cigarette. And it was. He quit smoking and she started coming to church. It was an issue with her. So again, love, you see. Love says, you're more important than what I put down my mouth. You're more important than my liberties. You and your ability to worship with me, beside me, and be strengthened from me, that's the most important thing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we continue to study on these things and look at these things in depth, Lord, we just ask that you would enlighten our hearts, God, that we could become a people of passion, of love, of desire, but also a people that aren't critical and fault-finding and putting each other down and, and resentful and, and hurtful towards one another. That although we are a bunch of porcupines and we're going to poke each other whether we want to or not, but yet when it comes to these doubtful issues, that we could just find grace and love and, and just truly just give it to you. If we feel our brother is taking liberties he shouldn't take, that we could just look to you and say, God, help them. Give them conviction. Give them a conscience where they don't have one. And just leave it at your hands. And at the same time, if somebody's just totally wrapped up in legalism and they're not free, they're not experiencing joy in a relationship with you because they think they're righteous because of their do's and their don'ts, Lord, set them free too. And help them, Lord, and help the brother who can see that clearly. Not despise that one who's going through a, a period of legalism or going through a time of where he's really trying to be holy in, in the do's and the don'ts. Just let us have grace and mercy and kindness towards one another. Pr truly, Lord, let us be men and women of God after your own heart and glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. God